Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and you're listening to Words on Film on WBCALP Boston. I will be reviewing some of the newest movies out right now. For this show, I have three new movies to review for you, two that are brand new in theaters for the weekend of July 15th through 17th, 2022, and another one that came out a little ways before that, but I didn't get the chance to review it until this week. But I'm going to start off with the newest theatrically released film that I was able to review for you right for this show. The first movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. This is not the first adaptation of the novel Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which was written by Paul Gallico and published in 1958, but it is the first theatrically released version of this story, and it is also the first version that has in the title Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, not the Cockney way of pronouncing Harris, which is apostrophe A-R-R-I-S. That was the way that the American TV episode from 1958 spelled the uh, title of the book, as well as the 1992 TV movie starring Angela Lansbury, Diana Rigg, and Omar Sharif, which was actually directed by Anthony Shaw, who was Angela Lansbury's son, who is Angela Lansbury's son, because Angela Lansbury is still with us. She's largely retired, but she's still alive uh, for now. But anyway... This version of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris not only keeps the H, but also has the actress Leslie Manville in the title role. She plays Ada Harris, who is a an older uh, woman who works as a cleaning lady in London. And there is an actual title for the, the role that she plays, or, or rather... Well, I, I can't find it right now, but in, in any event. Oh, yes, here it is. Uh, Mrs. Harris, Mrs. Ada Harris, is a London charwoman, which is similar to a maid or a cleaning woman. And while she is cleaning one of the apartments or flats of one of her wealthier um, customers, she comes across an evening gown, which was made in, uh, in Paris by the House of Dior, which is the fashion companies. Some of you might not know this, but this was kind of news to me because I know a lot about movies. I know next to nothing about fashion, including women's fashion, but Christian Dior is headquartered in Paris and has been for at least a century. But this um, viewing of this evening gown persuades Ada Harris to save up her money and fly to Paris to go to the House of Dior herself to purchase an evening gown that is custom-made for her. And while she is there, she's actually taken in by some surprisingly nice people who work in the fashion industry, and you don't see a lot of um, nice people there. Of course, she is met with resistance by one of the people who works in the Christian Dior fashion studio named Claudine Colbert, who's played by Isabel Huppert. But eventually she is taken in by a very uh, charismatic person who didn't, didn't seem very charismatic or at least genuine to me, but his name is Marquis de Chassan and he is played by Lambert Wilson. And there are also some other characters here and there, but basically Mrs. Harris is there not just to see the sights, but also to get a Dior dress of her own just because she wants to treat herself. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But I kind of knew as I was watching this film that this film is not for me. It's about an older lady who loves a dress, and the dress that she actually sees, I'm not a big fashion person, so when I saw the dress that makes her fall in love with Dior, I kind of thought to myself that that dress looked a little tacky, but who am I to say? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I absolutely respect that. I did get into the story of Ada Harris 
going to Paris to a certain extent. But the movie did drag for me here and there, but it did have some good supporting performances. As I said, Isabel Huppert as the first um, adversary and eventually confidant of Ada Harris was good in her role. I also really liked her friends in London, particularly one character named V. Butterfield, who's played by an actress named Ellen Thompson, who is British and Sierra Leonean. And in this movie, I think she plays somebody who's supposed to be Jamaican, I think. Either Jamaican or a a native Londoner, who might be a first-generation Londoner. Either way, she plays probably one of the best, best friends that I've seen in the movie. There's also a gambler and a local drunk by the name of Archie, who's kind of charming in his own way, and he's played by Jason Isaacs, kind of pushing the Irish uh, drunk stereotype a little bit, but there are some moments where he plays a really good confidant of Mrs. Harris as well. And there's also a very uh, stylish model whose name is uh, Pamela Penrose, who's played by a lovely young actress named Rose Williams, who I also thought had a relatively predictable love story in here with uh, an accountant for Dior who seemed, who, who definitely had the Clark Kent look going on, but you know as the movie progressed that the two of them would eventually get together. So there was some predictability there, but Mrs. Harris goes to Paris was not the, the most um, well-paced movie that I'd seen. And frankly, there were some moments where I nodded off, but at the same time, I think that Leslie Manville played Mrs. Harris so charmingly. And one of those underdogs you couldn't help, but root for as the film progressed that I did get behind it for that reason. And it's one out of three new films to come out in theaters. But as I was watching it in the theater, I sort of thought that in this day and age, this would be one of those movies that I think would be better better suited for streaming on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Because this movie, I think... Gears is geared more towards an older audience, and there's nothing wrong with that. And older people do go out to movies, but lately the roster of movies that I've been seeing, like, for example, Minions, The Rise of Gru, and Thor, Love and Thunder, are not the films to which older people go to the multiplex to see generally. But I wouldn't have objected to Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris being on streaming, it probably could be more accessible to people who haven't gone out to the movies or definitely don't go out to the movies as much as I do, but it's a charming little tale. And I do think that it's, it's more suited for streaming than it would be to see it on the big screen. And eventually one of the streaming giants will pick up this movie and stream it. And I think it will get a lot more exposure that way. And it's also one of those films that has a pace that that works better for home viewing than it is for seeing at the movies. But I liked this film. I didn't love it. I can kind of acknowledge that it's not just that it's a, a film geared towards older people. I like those kind of films every now and then, but it definitely has more of a feminine slant towards it. And that's fine. It's just not quite the movie for me, but I do give it my rating of a checkout because as I said, the lead performance by Leslie Manville is excellent. I also like the supporting performances by Ellen Thomas, Jason Isaac, Isabel Huppert, Rose Williams, Lambert Wilson, and other such actors in this film. It's just at the end of the day, not the best film for me, but I do think when it eventually reaches streaming, it will reach a wider audience and an older audience, and I think people will enjoy it then. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. 
The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Persuasion. This is not the first adaptation of the 1817 novel by Jane Austen, which was her last completed novel that was published in her lifetime. And this will not be the last adaptation of Persuasion either. But surprisingly, this is the first on-screen, by that I mean big-screen adaptation of the Jane Austen novel, and that actually surprises me very much. You're probably familiar with several TV versions, probably most notably the 1995 version that aired on BBC Two that stars Amanda Root as Anne and Kieran Hines, the Irish actor, as Captain Wentworth. So I will just briefly give a description of what persuasion is about it, we are introduced to the heroine of the novel Anne Elliot who or rather the heroine of the story because we're not reading the book uh, when we're watching this film but here Anne Elliot is played by Dakota Johnson who adds another movie to her repertoire of films that are in which she acts very well and also are not named 50 shades blank So I should probably stop bringing up the Fifty Shades movies whenever uh, I am reviewing a Dakota Johnson movie. But the point is, and maybe I'll say this for the last time, she has, I've routinely been impressed with her acting in just about every movie in which she's acted, except for the ones that start with the words Fifty Shades. I've said that so many times, I will probably make this the last time. But I am also not the biggest Jane Austen fan for a variety of reasons. But let me just uh, get into the plot of this novel. Just spend a minute on that before I critique the rest of the film. So, Anne Elliot is our heroine of the film, and we learn that it has been seven years since she reluctantly broke off an engagement with a naval captain by the name of Frederick Wentworth, who in this movie is played by somebody whose name I can't find right now. I'm kind of embarrassed there. But anyway, so Anne Elliot is is in her mid-20s, which means that when she proposed or when she had accepted a proposal of marriage from Wentworth, she was 19 years old. But anyway, the two of them break it off, and Anne Elliot still, seven years later, holds a flame for uh, Captain Elliot. And I finally found the name of the actor who plays him in this movie. It's Cosmo Jarvis. My apologies for the stalling of that. But things get complicated in Anne's life when her father, Sir Walter Elliot, who's played by the great Richard E. Grant of With Nail and I fame, in addition to other films, finds that he has to give up his manner and move into more modest means. And also, Anne Elliot finds that Wentworth is returning home, but he is also engaged and to, of all people, to whom Captain Wentworth is, or Lieutenant Wentworth, is engaged. He happens to be engaged to Anne Elliot's sister-in-law, or one of her sisters-in-law. And then she ultimately finds another eligible bachelor by the name of Mr. Elliot, who is played by Henry Golding, who is even more charming than the eternal Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. And Mr. Elliot has a lot going on for him, but Anne Elliot still holds a flame for... Uh, um, excuse me, um, still holds a flame for Lieutenant Wentworth. So there are, as typical of many Jane Austen novels, there are a lot of plots and subplots going on here, a lot of gossip messages that are mixed up in communication for a variety of reasons, and also some love triangles that kind of turn into love dodecahedrons sometimes. But for an author whose work I'm not exactly crazy about, I thought this version of Persuasion was actually very good, and I liked Dakota Johnson's performance primarily. 
And I, I have not read Persuasion, so I don't know if this was written in the first person, but Dakota Johnson speaks to the camera a lot. She breaks the fourth wall considerably, but she does it with a lot of charm and a lot of humor that makes me like this film a lot more than I would other Jane Austen adaptations. It also should be noted that very much like other films that are or films and TV shows that are Jane Austen like, for example, Bridgerton or Mr. Malcolm's List, this movie also has a diverse, racially diverse cast of actors, which I think now that I've seen two movies that take place around the time of Jane Austen, the late 18th century and early 19th century with these diverse casts. I don't have any problem with diverse casts. They're not historically accurate, as I've said before, but I think a lot of people know that and they don't particularly care. And I think that a lot of people are happy to see actors of color playing other people. In other words, established members of the bourgeoisie as opposed to maids, servants, or laborers. And that's great. But sometimes I think, especially with a second movie coming out with a diverse cast, are they doing this kind of film to promote racial equality implicitly, or are they doing it to capitalize on the success of Bridgerton? I really hope in the case of Persuasion, it's the former. But I do think that Persuasion actually hooked me a lot more than Mr. Malcolm's List, probably because it's a more original story and it's far less predictable than Mr. Malcolm's List. Mr. Malcolm's List, I thought, was a bit more of a typical romantic comedy that takes place in the day of Jane Austen rather than having the complications and the intricacies that Jane Austen's stories generally have. For which, by the way, I appreciate Jane Austen's way of storytelling. It's just sometimes when she gets bogged down in gossip and letter writing, that's when it kind of loses it for me. But Persuasion is probably one of the better Jane Austen adaptations that I've seen and Dakota Johnson herself does an amazing job playing Anne Elliot and I like the supporting performances as well by the likes of Richard E. Grant, Henry Golding, Cosmo Jarvis, as well as the actresses who play her uh, Anne Elliot's sisters, namely uh, Yolanda Kettle as the oldest sister Elizabeth as well as a younger sister whose name I can't find right now. But it's a very good cast, which makes me give Persuasion my rating of a marginal knockout. It probably would be a higher um, version, or rather a higher rating if I liked Jane Austen. And I, I do have certain problems with Jane Austen's method of storytelling, but not necessarily the stories that she tells herself. But putting my bias against Jane Austen aside, this is a well-done adaptation where just about everybody in the film works well at what they do, and it is anchored by a very impressive performance by Dakota Johnson. So that's the takeaway I get from this version of Persuasion. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Official Competition, also known by its Spanish name, uh, Co Competencia Oficial, which is a movie that is almost entirely in Spanish and is directed by the directing team of Mariano Cohn and Gaston Duprat. And the movie stars Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas, and Oscar Martinez. Obviously, I'm very familiar with Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. Uh, they really don't need any introduction. But Oscar Martinez, nah, excuse me, Oscar Martinez is the actor here 
with whom I am probably the least familiar, but he has been acting for a very long time. He is a native Argentinian who is who has been in such movies as Wild Tales from 2014, The Distinguished Citizen from 2016, and Empty Nest from 2008. These movies are all foreign films, so if you haven't seen them, I don't entirely blame you. But this is probably Oscar Martinez's breakout role in the Western Hemisphere. And the movie stars Penelope Cruz as a very prolific director um, who directs many critically acclaimed art house films. Her name is Lola Cuevas, and... Antonio Banderas and Oscar Martinez are actors who are well-renowned, but are different, who take different approaches to acting. Felix Rivero, who is the actor who Antonio Banderas plays, is one of those actors who divides his time between Spain and Los Angeles. If you can name a foreign actor who's, who's been in big-budget bu- movies as well as art house films and has been critically celebrated, probably similar to Javier Bardem. That's who Antonio Banderas's character is like on the surface. On the inside, he relishes in his fame. He is very accustomed to eating at the finest restaurants and flying first class. And that is the exact opposite of Ivan Torres, who's played here by Oscar Martinez. Ivan Torres is an actor's actor. He is very well known, very and very into method acting, very much like Daniel Day Lewis. But he also insists on flying coach as opposed to first class. He lives in a very modest apartment, and he is the not only actor's actor, but he's also the artist's artist. And the two of them are together in a film which is expected to be an award winner on the festival circuit. And the film within a film is funded by a man by the name of Umberto Suarez, who's played by Jose Luis Gomez, who is a very wealthy and successful businessman who has kind of reached the top in terms of the business world, but wants to make a name for himself and he either wants to do that by giving money to the government so he so they can put his name on a bridge or by funding a movie and as you might imagine the the latter happens but once he produces and funds a movie Lola Cuevas Penelope Cruz's character has various controversial methods to get what she alleges to be the best acting performance out of both Felix and Yvonne and she actually does some activities with them before even the cameras roll that even some prolific directors like Stanley Kubrick, if he were alive today, would probably look at and say, slow down here. You don't have to do that. But it's it's interesting to see this film because I sort of anticipated this film as satire, particularly satire of films that are made outside of the Hollywood circuit in Hollywood. From what I imagine, because I'm a Hollywood outsider and I haven't even been to Los Angeles at any point in my life, but maybe someday there are crazy people who make and star in movies, but that kind of weird obsession with directing and acting is not just, um, unique to Hollywood. There are also some, uh, foreign, directors and movie makers who employ such um, crazy tactics. And I imagine that official competition is a satire of such uh, practices of making art house films. And I would imagine also that Mariano Cohn and Gaston Duprat, who are the directing duo who also co-wrote the story and the screenplay, have had their share of people who um, also make movies in a very shady and duplicitous kind of way. They would say it was for the sake of art, but who knows? And this duo, who who are, well, Mariano Cohn is Argentinian, and Gaston Duprat has a very French name, and he is a native also of Argentina, 
interestingly enough, despite his very French-sounding last name. But they have collaborated on several movies, TV episodes, and documentaries. But this is probably their breakout role in America. And honestly, there were times where this movie kind of dragged a little bit. There were moments where the camera was focused on people who were not the the main three characters who were doing things like dancing in front of the camera, which it, it kind of seems like that seemed a bit over the top and, and things that Penelope Cruz's character's uh, director would wholeheartedly approve, but maybe not the directors themselves. Maybe that was the point of this film, which is undoubtedly satirical, but again, it felt a little too grandiose. And there were also moments where the pacing of this film could have been a bit better, but I have to credit Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas, and Oscar Martinez, because the three of them just disappeared right into their characters. And there were also times where they they sort of were vindictive amongst one another because of either jealousy or their hypocritical view that the other took their craft a little too seriously or more seriously than they should. And I think that sometimes the tone of the film was a bit off, but I still enjoyed official competition for the three main performances. And I'm going to look out for Oscar Martinez too, because I think he was probably the standout among the three. But if this film gets Oscar nominations for the three actors, probably Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas for best leading and Oscar Martinez for best supporting, I wouldn't be against that either. So official competition is a bit of a mixed bag. It's not the best film in which I've seen the three. The pacing could have been better, and sometimes the satire was a bit uneven and a bit off, but I do give it a checkout because it is pretty fascinating to see some of the lengths that some of these filmmakers go to create an art house film. And I think that was probably the main takeaway of the film. I just think that the satire could have been a bit sharper and used a bit better, as well as the pacing of the film could have been a bit more consistent throughout. But I still liked it. I just didn't love it. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've reviewed all the movies I have to review for you for this show, it's now time for me to get into my next segment, which is what's coming up next. This is a spoken word preview of movies that are subject to be released in theaters and on streaming for the weekend or rather the week of July 18th through July 22nd, 2022. And full disclosure, I am not going to be doing my show for the weekend of July 22nd through 24th, 2022. I'm going to take a week off because I am leaving town and I'm not going to be doing my show, nor am I going to be watching any films or at least reviewing them for next week. But I will do some major catch-up for the show that I'm going to do for the weekend of July 29th through July 31st, 2022. So just giving you a heads up. But there is one film that is probably the most auspicious of all that are coming out that's coming out on or rather in theaters and on streaming and by that I mean it's coming out just in theaters but it's probably going to usurp the films that are coming out on streaming around the same time 
And that movie is called Nope. And this is the third film from director and writer Jordan Peele. He made his auspicious debut with Get Out, which was an amazing film. He had a follow-up with the movie Us, which I also thought was a very quality and very original film that did not get the attention or rather, yeah, I think it, it didn't get the awards attention that Get Out did. And Get Out was certainly a very original film, but Us was also an original film that I think will be appreciated decades from now. Not only that, but Lupita Nyong'o, who, co- who starred in the film, was snubbed for an Oscar nomination, and that really pissed me off at the time. Will Nope be in the same category? I hope not, but then again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but... It's a movie about the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California who bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. And that is all the synopsis the movie, or rather this site, is giving me. So Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out is reuniting with director Jordan Peele. Also appearing in this film is Kiki Palmer, who has been really... um, getting up there in terms or she's been making a name for herself and eventually she'll be a household name. The movie also co-stars Brandon Perea, Michael Wincott, Stephen Yoon, and Keith David amongst other actors. This is a film that I will see and I will let you know what I think on a future show, just not next week's show. Another film that is subject to be released in theaters is a movie called how to please a woman. Very interesting. It is not a how-to guide, unfortunately. Uh, I, I suppose some of us guys would need that. But this is a movie about an, um, a woman who runs an all-male house cleaning business. And when this business gets out of control, she must embrace her own sexuality if she is to make a new life for herself. Very interesting. The woman who is starring in this film is a woman by the name of Sally Phillips, with whom I'm not entirely familiar. The movie also co-stars Carolyn Brazier, Tasma Walton, and Haley McElhenney, amongst other people. But other than that, there aren't very many other actors to whom, whom I recognize. But the movie is directed by and written by Renee Webster. And she is also a director with whom I'm not entirely or actually familiar at all. At, looking at her repertoire, this is actually her feature film debut as a director. She's directed uh, episodes of TV series, shorts, and one music video. But this is her feature film debut. So if I see this in, in theaters and I have time to watch it, I will. And I'll let you know what I think on a future show. Another movie that is subject to be released in theaters on July 22nd is a movie that's called My Old School. And this is a movie that actually does star some familiar actors, including Alan Cumming, who is a great actor of stage and screen. And even when Alan Cumming is in a really bad film, he usually isn't the worst part of it. I'm I'm not saying he's great in everything he's in, but very much like Guy Pearce, he's usually one of the more redeeming factors of a bad film. But this is a film that actually takes place in 1993, 29 years ago excuse me, 39 years ago, and, excuse me, damn it, I'm doing my math wrong again, 29 years ago, yes. So in 1993, 16-year-old Brandon Lee enrolled at Bearsden Academy, a secondary school in a well-to-do suburb of Glasgow, Scotland. What followed over the next two years became the stuff of legend. So I don't know if this is a true story or not, but it is directed by and written by Jono McLeod, who is, I presume, Scottish, based on his last name. And he has directed a a TV movie documentary, but in terms of being a... Oh, this is actually... uh, My Old School is a documentary, not a feature film. But it probably has some feature film elements to it, as Alan Cumming plays a professor in this. So maybe this is based on a true story. Uh, considering that it is a documentary, it probably is. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of all over the place here, but I wasn't aware it was a documentary until I did a little bit more 
uh, research. But My Old School is a movie I'd like to see. I don't know if I'm going to see it, but if I do, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. And finally, the last film that is subject to be released in theaters on July 22nd is a movie that's called Alone Together, which is a bit of an oxymoron. This is a movie about two strangers that are embroiled in bad relationships who wind up in the same upstate New York Airbnb. The movie stars uh, Katie Holmes, Jim Sturgis, and Derek Luke. And Katie Holmes actually writes and directs this movie. And if there's anybody who knows what it's like to be in a really bad relationship, let's face it, it's Katie Holmes. And this is actually not Katie Holmes' directorial debut. She directed a film in 2016 that was called All We Had, and I was still hosting the show Words on Film in 2016. And even though the poster looks familiar, this movie, All We Had, kind of passed me by. But I would be very interested in seeing Alone Together, which is a very fascinating oxymoron. And if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on next week's show. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've given you the movies that are coming out in theaters for the week of July 18th through July 22nd, specifically the weekend of July 22nd through July 24th, 2022, it's now time for me to get into my next segment of what's coming up next, which is where I give you the movies that are subject to being released on streaming for the week of July 18th through July 22nd, 2022. On Netflix, on Monday, July 18th, there are actually two movies, three movies, excuse me, that are going to be premiering on Netflix, and I can't guarantee whether or not I'm going to see these films for you. And one of them that I'm going to introduce for you right now is a film that I definitely won't see, or if I do, I won't review it on the show. At least I don't think so. The movie is My Little Pony, A New Generation Sing-Along, which my sources tell me is a movie, not a special. But this is a Netflix original, and my guess is that My Little Pony, A New Generation was a previous film. And when they when they put out a sing-along, it's usually the same film, but with the lyrics on the screen. And I, I've never been actually to a movie that's been a special release as a sing-along. I know that there have been some popular musicals like The Sound of Music or Grease that have released theatrically um, well after their premieres, and they've had sing-along versions. Frozen is another one that's been a popular sing-along at the movies. And I, I think that people actually do sing along to them. Would I join them in singing along? Eh, maybe. I mean, it's not the most um, embarrassing thing that I would ever do, and I can sing, so there. But will I stay at home singing this, um, singing along to this movie? Probably not, especially if my girlfriend is there, because that would just be demoralizing. But anyway, My Little Pony, A New Generation Sing-Along will be premiering on Netflix on Monday, July 18th. There is another movie that is premiering on Netflix. This is a foreign film, and it is called Live Is Life. This will be premiering also on Netflix on July 18th. And this is a film that stars Adrian Baena and Juan Del Pozo. I don't know from what country this hails, but the director of it is Dani De La Torre. So I presume it is from Spain, but it could be any Spanish-speaking country. It actually is uh, from Spain, from the Republic of Spain in Europe. And it's a movie about five friends who spend one last summer together as they begin transitioning into adulthood. So this is definitely a coming-of-age film. It is a comedy-drama. Will I see this film? I might. But if I do, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. Another film that is premiering on Netflix on 
um, July 18th is another foreign film that is called Too Old for Fairy Tales. And this actually looks pretty interesting. There are tons of foreign films, and sometimes I don't put foreign films on my top priority list because Netflix comes out with so many foreign films that it really is hard to keep up. But Too Old for Fairy Tales is a film that comes out of Sweden, and it is about a young boy by the name of Valdek, W-A-L-D-E-K, and in Valdek's life, filled mainly with computer games, there is a real earthquake. During her absence, Mum stays under the care of a crazy and unpredictable aunt who introduces discipline that has been alien to him so far and imposes new duties. So already this sounds kind of like a raw doll story. But although an extraordinary relative gives Valdek a real survival camp, the boy also receives the most valuable life lesson from her. And that's all the synopsis is telling me, even though it says a lot in terms of words. But I would imagine this would be sort of a comedy fantasy, or at least that's the impression that I get. Unfortunately, the genres of this, or rather the the categories of this movie are way too far down the page for me to take the time to go down and see. But I would imagine this would be a comedy, drama, fantasy But it sounds very interesting, and I love the title of the film. Don't ask me to say what the Swedish title of the film is, because there is no way I would be pronouncing this accurately. But Too Old for Fairy Tales is a movie that I may see, and if I do, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. On Friday, July 22nd, there is one new movie that will be premiering exclusively on Netflix, and that movie is called The Gray Man. And this is a movie about which I've heard actually a lot. This movie has an A-list cast. It is an American film, and it stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Ana de Armas. And this is a movie about uh, the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none. And when this man accidentally uh, uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Now, this movie might sound like a typical Liam Neeson film as of late, but it is actually directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. If you don't know who these directors are, these are the two guys who directed several Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, including... Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So they have directed two out of the five highest grossing films of all time with Avengers Endgame holding the top spot as the highest grossing movie of all time, not adjusted to inflation. So this is a, excuse me, an original uh, story to which Joe Russo co-wrote the screenplay. I don't believe, oh, sorry, my fault. This is actually based on a book. My apologies. This is based on a book that was written by Mark Greeny. And this is a movie that I will see. And I will let you know what I think on a future show. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And since I'm going to be returning to do my show on July 29th, I might as well tell you some of, or rather, the weekend of July 29th through July 31st, I might as well tell you some of the movies that are subject to be released in theaters for that week. For example, the biggest movie that will be released in theaters or will be subject to be released in theaters is a film that's called the DC League of Super Pets. It's not called Super Pets. It's not called the League of Super Pets. The official name of this movie is the DC League of Super Pets. So this movie does not capitalize upon Superman's dog or the the fact that there could be super pets. They want to let you know this is a DC movie. But I think they also probably want to 
let you know that this is not connected to the DC Extended Universe because it is animated. But this movie follows the ex- exploits of Crypto the Superdog, who is actually Superman's dog. Does he come from Krypton? He must. I don't know how that works. But anyway, Crypto the Superdog and Superman are inseparable best friends, sharing the same superpowers and fighting crime side by side in Metropolis. However, Crypto must master his own powers for a rescue mission when Superman is kidnapped. So there are various uh, celebrity voices who are in this film. Dwayne The Rock Johnson voices Crypto. The voice of Superman, in case you're curious, is John Krasinski. Also, Kevin Hart voices another dog named Ace. This is not the first time Kevin Hart has voiced a pet, like he did in the uh, Secret Live of Pets, but it won't be the last time either. But man, you have um, Vanessa Bayer from Saturday Night Live voicing PB, who I presume is another pet. You have Natasha Lyonne. Diego Luna, Mark Marin, who does the voice of Lex Luthor, Kate McKinnon, Keanu Reeves, Dasha Polanco, Jermaine Clement, Ben Schwartz, Olivia Wilde. This is an impressive roster of voice talents. And I'm not going to even go into all the, the cast, but the cast is such that it makes me want to keep reading. But it's amazing the roster of talents they put together for this animated film. So maybe, just maybe, This film might be worth watching. Whether or not it is, I will see it, and I'll let you know what I think on the next show that I host. Another film that is subject to being released in theaters on July 29th is a film that's called 13 Lives. 13, as we know, is generally considered an unlucky number. I actually consider it a lucky number, but this is a film about a rescue mission that is assembled in Thailand where a group of young boys and their soccer coach oh boy, this is scary actually, are trapped in a system of underground caves that are flooding. And this movie might sound like a foreign film because it takes place in Thailand, but it's not technically. My guess is it is based on a true story. And not only will it be in select theaters on July 29th, it it will also be available on Prime Video on August 5th. And the director of this film is Ron Howard. And Ron Howard has had a bit of a spotty later directing career, but he's, I think, still going to eventually make a comeback as a director. And even though a a couple of his last few films, like uh, Hillbilly Elegy, have been relatively disappointing, this might be an arc of redemption for Ron Howard. But the movie does actually have some famous non Thai people in it, including Joel Edgerton, Colin Farrell, and Viggo Mortensen, amongst other people. But this is a film that I will see, and I'll let you know what I think on a later show. Another film that is subject to being released in theaters on July 29th is a film that's called Vengeance. And this will be a film that will undoubtedly be in art house cinemas, probably. And this also has a very impressive roster of actors, as well as it being directed by, written by, and starring B.J. Novak of the show The Office. And this is a movie about a radio host from New York City who attempts to solve the murder of a girl he hooked up with and travels down south (laughs) to investigate the circumstances of her death and discovered what happened to her. My guess is he's probably going further south than Nashville. And B.J. Novak is no stranger to film in general, But as a director, this is actually his feature film debut. And he's done a lot of things. Not only has he acted and, you know, recently directed, he's he's previously directed episodes of The Office and The Mindy Project, amongst other projects. But this is his directorial debut. But he's also an author. So he's uh, certainly a renaissance man in, uh, well, in the world, but most especially in Hollywood. And the movie also co-stars such esteemed actors as, if you'll pardon me, Dove Cameron, Issa Rae, Ashton Kutcher. So, very impressive roster of talent. Vengeance is a film I will eventually see, and I'll let you know what I think on a future show. Another movie that is subject to being released in theaters on July 29th is a movie that's called The Reef Stalked. 
I haven't seen the original The Reef, but I would imagine that this is a sequel. And this is a movie about a woman by the name of Nick, who, after her sister's murder, her younger sister and two friends seek solace through a Pacific Island kayaking adventure. Hours into the trip, the women are stalked by a shark and must band together, face their fears, and save each other. The director and writer of this movie is Andrew Trauke, uh, again, another actor with whom I'm not familiar. And there are only actually five actors in this film, none of whom I know. There's Teresa Liane, there's Anne Trong, Kate Lister, Saskia Archer, and Tim Ross. I don't know if this film is coming out in a theater near me, but if it is and I have time to see it, I'll review it for you on a future show. Another movie that is subject to being released in theaters on July 29th is a film that's called Resurrection. And this is definitely not the first film to have this title, nor will it be the last. It's a film about a woman who, whose name is Margaret, whose life is in order. She is capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control. That is, until David returns, carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past. The director and writer of this movie is Andrew Simmons, and the movie stars Rebecca Hall, Tim Roth, and Grace Kaufman, amongst other actors. Sounds like a fascinating film. Definitely sounds like a chilling film. And Rebecca Hall is usually a great actress, so maybe I'll see it. I don't know. But if I do, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. The final film that is subject to being released in theaters on July 29th is a film that's called Ollie and Ava. Ollie and Ava is a film that looks to be a foreign film about a man by the name of Ali and a woman by the name of Ava who are both lonely for different reasons and they meet and sparks fly. And over a lunar month, a deep connection begins to grow despite the legacy of Ava's past relationships and Ali's emotional turmoil at the breakdown of his marriage. The movie sounds pretty compelling. Ali is played by Adil Akhtar and Ava is played by Claire Rushbrook. And there are other actors in this movie as well, but none of with whom I am particularly familiar. But if I come across this movie and I have time to see it, I'll let you know what I think on a future show. That just about does it for this episode of Words on Film. Words on Film is the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures, and I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, reminding you that the views and opinions expressed on Words on Film about movies or other topics are solely those of your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. They do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of any employees or volunteers who are working at WBCA or the station as a whole. Until I watch a whole bunch of brand new movies, this is Dan Burke saying I'll see you at the movies.